0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: You don't have to take a lot of time with devotion. Some people think they got to take four hours in the morning and sit with God. I don't do that. I don't do that. It depends on how my day goes. If I have a busy morning, then I may take 10, 15 minutes with sitting with the Lord. If I have an easy morning, I might sit for an hour with the Lord. That's not not about religion for me. I'm not not in this thing because I have to do this and I have to do that. Who wants somebody talking to them because they have to talk to them? Like God is in heaven going, now you better talk to me. You better talk to me. And if you don't talk to me, what kind of relationship is that? God wants you to talk to him because you love him. Because you want to spend a little time with him. You know you got a busy day. He knows you got a busy day. That's just a relationship. That's all I'm talking to you about. Are you getting me? And just talk to God. Take it every day. Guarantee your day go better. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Email me. Do it tomorrow. And then email me. Just spend time. Go to website, email and say, Pastor Ronnie, you were right like I knew you would be because you're always right. (laughs) You know, spend time with God. The Pharisees believed that prayers were more powerful and more anointed if they were long and loud and informative. Notice again in verse 33, these religious people said, we fast often. Now, guys, if you want a detailed study, we're not going to go into it today, but if you want a detailed study on fasting, go to the bookstore. I think there might be some CDs left on Isaiah chapter 58. I did some time ago a detailed study on fasting, and uh, I believe in fasting. I believe we should take time to fast, especially in the culture that we live in. You know, fasting just just gets, gets, gets a hold of your flesh, you know, you got to eat, got to eat, got to eat, got to eat. You don't have to fast for a day. You know, some people think you got to fast for the whole day, or you got to do a 40-day fast, or a 150-day fast, or a 400-day fast. Why would they think that? You could fast for one meal. How about one meal? Just one meal. Lord, I'm not going to take breakfast today. I'm going to just go to the time when my stomach gets hungry, and it will, then I'm going to pray, you know? And when you're fasting, the Bible says, don't look like you're fasting. Hey, listen, let me help you. So I'm really quickly, okay? Y'all give me a second. When you are fasting, please do not look like you're fasting. No need for a holy hairdo. No need for sanctimonious, sanctified looking face. No need to suck your cheeks in and looking all holy. Somebody looks at you, oh, wow, what's wrong? Everything okay? No, I'm just... Fasting for Jesus. <laughs> no, you look like you need some sugar. <laughs> and people do that. I mean, they really do. Because they want you to know how spiritual they are and how holy they are. You know, when you're fasting, fix yourself up. Comb your hair, brush your tooth, put some deodorant on. <laughs> you see, the Pharisees, they said, Jesus, Jesus John's disciples are fasting and praying But your disciples are eating and drinking. And notice again, saints, look at verse 34 in your Bibles. Verse 34. Notice Jesus. He said, Can you make the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? And then in verse 35, But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Now listen, we all know, in Jesus' day, give me your attention, in Jesus' day and in our day... A wedding is a time for celebration and not a time for mourning. It's a time to rejoice. And Jesus is making that point. I came into the world to make life a feast and not a funeral. This is a time of rejoicing. And this is what the prophets have been waiting for and the centuries have been moving toward. Jesus is saying, listen, it would be inappropriate for my followers to mourn while I am with them. But in verse 35, please peek at it again. There is a time when the bridegroom will be taken away. If you're taking notes in your margins in your Bibles, you can write this word. The word taken away speaks of violently in the Greek language. Violently taken away. Then there will be a time for mourning. And then will be a time for fasting. That time did come when Jesus went to the cross and he died. And was buried for three days, and the church throughout the centuries have been fasting ever since. And Jesus says, "There's a day coming for fasting, but now is not the time. Now is the time to be excited that sinners are coming to repentance." Now, in verse thirty-six through thirty-nine, we'll read it in just a second. But Jesus is going to make an important point to tell the people and the Pharisees: If you're going to follow him, you have to leave behind. Tradition. Uh, Say a better amen than that. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave behind tradition. And Jesus uses two very simple, very common things to teach that profound truth. Number one, a garment. And number two, wine. A garment and wine. Look at verse 36 through 39 in your Bible. Then in verse 36, if you're looking at it, say amen. Then he spoke a parable to them, a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old, what saints, wine skins, or else the new wine will burst the wine skins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But the new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Saints, stop right there. Jesus begins by giving, give me your attention, he begins by giving them a parable. You've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know a parable is, somebody help me, and earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Did you forget? Write it down. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Or I like to say a parable is a short little story with a great big meaning. And so Jesus says, no one puts a piece of new garment on an old one. Otherwise the new makes a tear and the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. Now, obviously, listen, Jesus was writing this and talking about this many years ago because that really doesn't apply today. As a matter of fact, listen, nowadays, past genes are in. As a matter of fact, nowadays, ripped genes are in. People pay. uh, This is alarming. People. (laughs) It's it's Seriously, I mean, seriously, this is like a cultural. It's alarming to me. People pay a lot of money for ripped pants. I've seen them. <laughs> go to like Nordstrom's and Macy's and all the stores in South Point, and if you get a pair of ripped jeans, you're going to pay $200 for those jeans. At least, that, amen, at least, maybe more. I say go to Walmart, <laughs> get you a pair of jeans. Listen, I just seen them yesterday, $9.99. Get you a pair of $9 jeans, go home, take a razor blade, just cut them things any way you want them, put them on. Somebody go, how much you pay for them? Man, those are nice. Those are nice. Really? Where'd you get them? Walmart. I mean, people pay a lot of money for ripped jeans. They're fashionable nowadays. I remember the days if you had tore jeans, torn jeans or holes in your jeans, that meant that you were poe. Not poor, poe. That means you can't afford the other O R. You just poke. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I remember the day when I was a kid. We had holes in our jeans. My mom used to go out. Some of y'all can relate to this. You go get them patches. Put them patches. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get them patches. Put it. You take them. Take it to the iron board. Put the patch on the inside. Iron that thing down. Your mom tell you, put them things on, go outside, boy.
0: <laughs> well,
1: Mommy, they got holes in them. Look at the way they look. You better shut up. We poke. <laughs> Nowadays, that's fashionable. It's a fashionable thing today. But notice, Jesus talking about these wine, this wine in wine skins. Look, we got to understand something here. Let's, let's, let's talk about this for a second. To understand what Jesus is actually talking about, you got to understand just a little bit about the process of fermenting wine in goat skins. What they would do is they would, get this, they would remove the flesh and the bones from the inside of a goat and then they would tan the skin over fire and acacia wood. And then opening, the opening was sewn shut and the neck of the goat was used as a spout. And then as this grape juice begins to ferment, carbon dioxide gas is built up as the sugar from the grapes is broken down. And a new wine skin would be able to stretch during this process, but an old wine skin would become stiffer as the gas pressure from the new wine is building up. And given enough pressure, the wine skin would burst, and the wine and the skin would be lost. And a new wine, new wine required a new wine skin. So Jesus is simply making the point that there's no way to take something that is brand new and sow it into or pour into it something that is old. People come to me often. God, listen to me close, is doing a wonderful work here at Calvary Chapel. Do you agree with that? And people come to me often and they say, Pastor Ronnie, especially new people, they you know, new people, they come after service and they say, Pastor Rodney, you know, I just need you to pray for my church because, you know, our church is caught up in legalistic system and it's traditional and, you know, it's legalism. Things seem so dead in our church and, you know, we need contemporary worship. We need a coffee bar. We need a bookstore. We need a youth ministry. We need all this relevant ministry stuff that's going on here at Calvary Chapel. We need that in our church. And I tell them, listen, I'll be happy to pray for you, and we do pray for them, but the, the principle is, guys, listen, you can't put new wine in old wine skins. You can't do it. In other words, Jesus is saying, you don't put new denim on old Levi's, because when you wash them, the clothes will shrink and cause more problems. Jesus is saying, I'm not trying to patch up the Pharisees' broken-down, torn form of religion. I'm not trying to patch up something old with something new. Jesus says, I'm here to do a whole new thing. And it's, it's not religion. It's a relationship. And you can't patch up God's grace and you can't patch up God's mercy and God's love on the fabric of the law and on the fabric of legalism and Judaism and ritualism and any other ism. It doesn't work. You have to put new wine in new wine skins. Now, in the Bible, wine represents the Holy Spirit. Water is symbolic of the Word of God. Wine, oil, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I'm doing a new work. And I'm pouring out the wine of the Holy Spirit in new vessels In other words, this present institution of Judaism, in context, this present institution of Judaism could not and would not contain his new wine. He would someday form a new institution. What is it? It's the church, it's you, it's me. This new institution is made up of Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics and and, and Methodists and Lutherans and, and Baptist folks and 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 black folks, and white folks, and Asian folks attend this church, Japanese and Chinese, and people from India attend this church. This is the new institution. Are you with me? And it's this institution that God is pouring his new wine into, the Holy Spirit. He's pouring into us as vessels of his. Now, don't misunderstand. Jesus cares. Listen, don't miss this. Jesus cares about the old institution. Jesus cares about the old skin. Jesus cares about the old bottle. Notice Jesus says the new wine will spill out and the old wineskin skin will burst. Just because there's something new going on doesn't mean that God doesn't care about the old. And I'm glad about that. Because the truth is, listen, if Jesus tarries, are y'all listening? If Jesus tarries for 50 years, Calvary Chapel will be old wineskins. Just think about it. I'm 40 some odd year old person. And in 50 years, I'll be 90 some odd year old person. And I'm still be preaching y'all. I told, I told my kids, listen, two things do not do when I get old. Do not put me in a nursing home. That's number one. Number two, don't even try to get me out the pulpit. I don't care how old I am. Get a ramp, put me on a gurney. I'll be preaching on a gurney, laying down, holding the mic like this. I'm going to be preaching the word. I got to preach the word. It's what God has called me to do. There's some day, though, that this church is going to be an old wineskin. If all of us should tarry and the Lord should tarry and you guys should stay here someday, all of us will be old. We'll have to have the, the that whole section over there will have to be the walker section. And all of them coming in like this. We're all going to get old someday. And, and, and we'll all be old wineskins someday. And there'll be a whole new group of people. And all the young people will be here, all the youth group and all the kids going through vacation Bible school now, they'll all be coming up and maybe somebody from here will be a preacher and this will be a young church, a bunch of young people. They probably still have the coffee bar. They probably still have the bookstore. But by then they'll probably add a tattoo bar. (laughs) Because every generation has their way of ministering to their people. Okay, fine. I'm not, that's not a statement for or against tattoos. I'm just making a point. And every generation has their way of ministering to people. God is not against the old institution. God is not against the old establishment, the older traditional churches. God is not against them. As a matter of fact, God cares for them, and they shouldn't change. Some people are like, well, I go to an older church, and they need all the praise and worship and all the bands and the drums and the, all this stuff. They need to, We need to get with what's going on in the older church. This church I go to, they don't need to do that. If their form of worship is with the pipe organ, with the organs that go way up to the ceiling, but they worship God that way, that's all God's looking for. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. He's looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. We simp- this is how we worship the Lord. And this is all good. And the way that they worship the Lord in a more established older church, that's all good too. But what you can't try to do is take new wine and put it in the old wine skins. That's a simple point. Don't try to take what's here and put it in down there. Because the older people down there, they're like, what in the world? All these young young people, all this praise and worship and lifting up the hands and the guitars and all that is hurting my ear. And we would be wrong to go down there and try to do that. Are y'all with me? You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus is saying, listen, I didn't come to renovate the old Judaic system. I came to usher in an entirely new era, a new system, a new covenant. Now, I'll close right here. The Bible has a lot to say about garments. Sometimes garments are pictured in in the Bible as character and conduct. It was Isaiah who told us and talked to us about the garment of the robe of righteousness that God wants to give everyone who believes in him. And it's sad but true, instead of people receiving the robe of righteousness that God wants to give them, some people like to create their own patchwork robe or their own patchwork religion. And so they patch up with good works, and they patch up with church attendance, and they patch up with charity work, and they patch up with, well, I'll give some money. I won't really be sold out to God, but I'll patch up my religion by giving some money. Or they patch up with a New Year's resolution. So January, people made New Year's resolution. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop chewing and go with girls who are doing. And I'm going to stop this. And I'm going to stop that. And I'm going to stop eating chocolate. Some folks made it a New Year's resolution to stop eating chocolate. I'm like, who makes that kind of resolution? That's crazy. No one's going to keep it. No one's going to keep it. You have to eat chocolate. It's a part of living. It's a godly thing. (laughs) Goodness gracious. You know, I'm I'm generally around or home around 4 o'clock because I work all kinds of weird hours. I work to 1 in the morning, whatever. And, And, you know, Oprah. And I only bring up Oprah because I believe y'all think I pick on Oprah. I don't. The reason why I bring up Oprah is because Oprah, I believe, has the strongest, most powerful voice in our culture. Oprah is a preacher. She's preaching a message. And there's a lot of people listening. And Oprah is preaching patchwork religion. Now her thing is your best life. You need to be good to you. You need to take care of you. Or here's one that's real popular culture thinking. You can't love anybody else till you love yourself. I'm I'm trying to think of how many ways I can tell you how wrong that thinking is. It it makes sense. Please, don't get me wrong. It makes sense. Well, you can't love anybody till you love yourself. I mean, if you hate yourself, you're probably going to hate other people. That makes sense. But that's not what Jesus tells us. What the Bible tells us is that you love yourself. Now go love other people like you love yourself. The Bible says no man ever hated himself, but he nourishes himself. It's true. You love yourself. Look how nice you look today. When you got up this morning, you brushed your tooth. Got you again, didn't I? You combed your hair, you fixed yourself up, you took a shower. We all love ourselves. The popular cultural thinking is we have to love other people. We have to love ourselves first, then we can love other people. Jesus says, on the other hand, we need to love other people because we already love ourselves. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So Oprah's talking about your best life. That's patchwork religion. Listen, Jesus has never been into patchwork religion. That means you put the pieces together of what you think is good and what you think is right and makes you a nice religious person. If that would be the case, then what did Jesus die for? What did he die for? He died because you can't patch it together. And as a matter of fact, hey, listen, if you could patch it together and make it right, it would already be right and you wouldn't be here. The fact that you are here is proof positive that you really can't fix it and you're looking for answers to, to help you to navigate your way through life. That's what the Bible's for. I'm glad you're here. God doesn't want us to patch our religion together. He doesn't want us to take pieces of fabric and put it together and make our own religion. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches Jesus tore down the fabric that, that, made, that, was, a, that was the icon of religion, the veil of the temple. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The Bible says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Notice that piece of fabric, 18 inches thick, was not torn from bottom to top. It was torn from top to bottom. Why? Because it spoke of the fact that God, that first of all, grace begins with him. And that he is reaching down to man. He is the one separating, that, that veil that separated him from man. And he's the one saying, now you can come unto me and come boldly into my presence. And there is no separation. God did all that to tell us that we need to accept the method of righteousness that God has established. And what we need to do is to take our arms, just like you would put on a coat if someone handed you your jacket, you would simply just take your arm and put it on and take this arm and put it on and put your coat on. And if it's new, you go, wow, that feels nice. That looks nice. I look good. That looks really nice. And put on the robe of righteousness that God has offered to you. And then, my friend, you will be right with God. That's it. That's it. Nothing... Nothing that we can do but simply say, God, give us your robe of righteousness. Jesus didn't die, listen, so that you could become a seamstress and you can patch up your own religion. And Jesus didn't die to make you better. And Jesus didn't die on the cross to reform you. He died to transform you. He died to make you new. Second Corinthians 5:17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Transform. Romans twelve, one, two, and three. I beseech you, brethren. By the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to transform you and make you knew and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Are you glad about it? I am. I am.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.